0: This is Andrew Schultz. I'm the sales manager for CHS Ag Services. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success.
1: Wednesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Whitney Pittman, along with Randy Conan. We'll also have a report from Tyler Donaldson. The House Committee on Agriculture held a member day hearing this morning. Congresswoman Michelle Fishbach testified in support of strengthening the current crop insurance program as a way of saving on ad hoc disaster programs.
2: I know this committee strongly supports the current crop insurance program, but I believe there's an important issue and opportunity in the upcoming farm bill to address. We spend billions on disaster assistance, not offset, outside the farm bill to compensate farmers for disasters. Congress has relied on inefficient deficit-inducing ad hoc assistance for both insurable and uninsurable disaster events. These programs are created and administered after the fact with often confusing and burdensome programs and leave producers waiting for assistance for years in some cases.
1: Fishbach said crop insurance has proven to be a valuable risk management tool for producers.
2: While I appreciate the fiscal constraints on this committee, I firmly believe an opportunity exists to build on the program's success by making higher coverage levels more affordable to producers across the country. This will help alleviate the need for ad hoc assistance programs, saving money while strengthening this important risk management tool. In many ways, this was the reason for the creation of the federal crop insurance program. Building these resources into the crop insurance program will help provide timely assistance, require producer skin in the game, and provide the consistency and certainty that the ad hoc system currently lacks.
3: The Agricultural Utilization Research Institute, AURI, is hosting their Minnesota Renewable Energy Roundtable at Sauk Rapids, Minnesota today, as well as hosting it virtually. Minnesota Department of Commerce Assistant Commissioner of Federal and State Initiatives, Pete Wyckoff, spoke on programs and goals aimed at available, uh, aimed at hydrogen. We are set to see
4: a hydrogen economy grow in Minnesota. We have an executive order from the governor saying, make it so and support it in the state enterprise. That executive order sort of identifies commerce as the first among equals in organizing the state enterprise in support of, and conscientious support of, building out the hydrogen economy. Minnesota has a lot of questions to answer about what they want that economy to look like. There needs to be a social license. This is not a universally popular approach. We need to make sure environmental justice is front and center.
3: Wyckoff says there are several
4: ways to utilize these programs. If we can make all that work, we have some exciting opportunities. Green steel is one you're about to hear about, hydrogen production for fertilizer use, and potentially as we go to 2040, we can use hydrogen products as a supplement to help on our electric sector.
1: The grain trade will be watching Friday's supply-demand report for any change in South American crop conditions. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Tyler Donaldson has more on that crop situation.
3: Brazil is off to a slow start for soybean planting. Soybean and Corn Advisor President Michael Cordonier blames a very erratic weather situation
5: last couple of years have been droughts, droughts in southern Brazil, and last year Argentina had a historic drought, the worst in like 60 years, and now this year in southern Brazil, extremely high amount of rainfall, so extremes in both parts of the country. Southern Brazil is getting like three to four times the normal rainfall, whereas up in central Brazil, they're getting a fraction of the normal rainfall, at least up until about a week or two ago. It's getting better now, but it was very extreme in October and early November.
3: After a massive drought last year, Cordonier says the weather has improved in Argentina.
5: The soybeans right now are 44% planted, corn 32%, both on the slow side, but it's improving. I think they are going to switch some intended corn acres over to soybeans because soybean prices are better.
3: This is Tyler Donaldson reporting for the Red River Farm Network. Comstock Investments Market Analyst Joe Camps says the Chicago wheat market continues to lead the grains. We do have a continued spread between these main grains with corn and soybeans lower, wheat higher yet again. I think we're working on seven sessions in a row where this Chicago wheat futures market has been higher and that is in part fueled again by another announcement this morning of a soft red wheat sale to China and so that stacks them up we're on path to have soft red wheat exports above hard red wheat for the first time in many many years and uh, demand all of a sudden looking a lot better after a a really prolonged slide for that wheat market so a little bit of life there
1: the grain markets have been flip-flopping trading both sides today Van on and company analyst Christy Van on says wheat is trying to hold gains.
6: Seems like the weakness kind of is this persistent um, pain for the for the markets right now. They kind of get back up and going and find some selling pressure. We have crude oil down two sixty, so I you know, whenever you see that, I don't think that's gonna be all that friendly towards grain markets. So getting a little bit of a pullback, corn market down five and a half, beans down six and a half, but like you said, wheat complex trying to hang on the positive
1: the livestock markets are breaking down once again
6: initially you looked like you were going to be able to build some support into livestock feeder cattle with the weakness that we see in corn right now but it just can't get going live cattle breaking down once again you're slowly starting to see cash slip i think the cash remained strong for for quite some time that you were like well futures have to come back up to meet this cash but it seems like cash is finally starting to kind of slide lower So I don't think that's all that positive. And once again, outside market dynamics and concerns about um, demand moving forward always weighs on these markets. So right now, live cattle showing the brunt of it, um, but feeders starting to slowly slip as well.
3: An alliance created at the United Nations Climate Summit in Dubai will address the methane produced by the dairy industry. Beginning in the summer of next year, six global dairy companies plan to release the methane emissions level from dairy cattle production. That coalition includes Bell Group, General Mills, Kraft Heinz, Danon, Lactis USA and Nestle's. Go to the Red River Farm Network's website, rrfn.com. Sign up for the weekly Farm Net News e newsletter. You can also download this broadcast and more. It's all at rrfn.com. This is the Red River Farm Network.
1: Wednesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The weekly report from the Energy Information Administration shows ethanol production for the week ending December 1st at 1.07 million barrels per day. That is 65,000 barrels per day more than the previous week and just slightly less than a year ago. Ethanol stocks are reported at 21.4 million barrels. That's 100,000 barrels more than the previous week.
3: The latest Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy barometer showed fewer farmers expect farmland values to increase during the coming year.
5: Yeah, the short-term farmland expectation index, which is based on a question that asks people to look ahead 12 months, has been essentially flat going back to, I think, May. Um, A year ago, it was at 129 It did drop off for a while, it got as low as 110. So if you look at it compared to spring, the index has actually improved a little bit, but if you look at it compared to a year ago, not much change. And in some respects, maybe a little more interesting to look not so much at the index, but rather the the raw uh, responses to the question. More people think farmland values are gonna go up in the next 12 months than think it's gonna go down, which is why the index is above 100
3: that's purdue university for commercial agriculture dr jim mentert while most farmers surveyed expect values to increase or stay the same the percentage of those who believe values will decline was higher you can see an erosion in the confidence
5: of farmland values continue to increase and to put that in perspective if you go back to the end of 2021 Roughly 60% of uh, respondents said they thought farmland prices were headed higher in the upcoming year. This month, that's down to 36%. There hasn't been a huge shift in the respect to the people expecting farm, lower farmland prices, although if you go back to that late 21 era, uh, at that point, we were down to maybe 3 or 4% of the people in the survey thought farmland prices could go down. In the upcoming 12 months, this month, that was 11%
1: the agriculture department has launched an online application process for its direct loan customers in a news release usda officials said this new online process will make it easier for farmers and ranchers to start expand or maintain their operations
3: tyrannis is partnering with Nutrien to bring drone data directly to producers and crop advisors Taranis Chief Commercial Officer Mike DePala says this technology is a way to continue growth in the agriculture industry.
7: We live in a world now where we can, you know, we say things like you can FaceTime your fields or have ring doorbell for your farm. And what we mean by that is you can have a leaf level view that brings good advisors and suppliers and retailers like Nutrien, together with excellent growers, to really understand what's happening on the acre in a brand new way. So when we look at the decades that have transpired and the innovation that have helped us as an industry really produce the food that we all depend on, what we're seeing are leaps and bounds in growth and capabilities. And now we're in a new era where we have game tape for the acre.
3: That this platform aims to provide more value for ag retailers and for growers.
7: Agriculture and agronomy is really an applied art. It's elevated above a science because of the complexities and the variables. And here at TRAN is we're really focused on how do we digitize, quantify, analyze, and help partners like Nutrien and the Nutrien Digital Scout uh, provide even more value to their growers.
1: The Senate Agriculture Committee will meet this afternoon to consider two Biden administration nominations. Mesil Ivanhoe Gooden has been nominated to be the USDA Undersecretary for Rural Development. Oneida, South Dakota native Susan Mersinger has been nominated for a full term on the Commodity Futures Trading Commission.
3: Nearly 70 Republican lawmakers have signed off on a letter to Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack voicing their disappointment in the methodology used to calculate payments for the 2022 Emergency Relief Program. The ERP program provided farmers with more than 75% of their calculated losses in 2020 and 2021, but for 2022 those payments will be closer to 10% of calculated losses. North Dakota Senator John Hoven, who is the ranking member of the Senate Ag Appropriations Committee, was behind a similar letter two weeks ago. USDA officials have blamed Congress for not providing enough funding to adequately cover the losses for the 2022 growing season. This is the Red River Farm Network.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. According to VIVE Crop Protection northern sales agronomist David Reif, this has been a great year for sugar beet growers.
0: Number one, high prices, which have been good. And number two, everyone's been blessed with what seems to be a, a pretty dang good crop, which, uh, you know, you mix the two together and that creates a, a really nice year for for sugar beet growers.
1: Vive Crop Protection began in the sugar beet industry with its Astroid FC fungicide program to control Rhizoctonia. The newest innovation is Astronaut, a foliar application to control Rhizoctonia.
0: We combine a a uh, synthetic chemistry along with a biological crop protection product. So it's really um, taking uh, you know products that we know and love today, and then and then giving them a step up or a boost with a biological component with it. And so so what we see with that is not only better disease control compared to say straight asteroid alone, um, but we see increased sugar, we see more growth efficiency, we see plant greening. And uh, it's just uh, it's, it's performed really, really well in all of our trials with NDSU, University of Minnesota, and several other researchers in beet regions across the U.S.
1: Taking a look at markets before we leave you: Minneapolis March wheat eight and a quarter lower at 7:30 and three quarters; May down eight and a quarter as well at 7:41 and a quarter. Chicago wheat a penny and three quarters higher at six thirty three Kansas City wheat down six at six fifty six and three quarters corn March futures five and a half lower at four eighty five July corn down six and a quarter at five o four January soybeans 9 and a quarter lower at 12.96 and a half, March soybeans down 10 and a half at 13.16. Soybean meal down $8.90 a ton at 408.90, soybean oil down 84 points. Canola in Winnipeg $14.10 lower at 651.50 Canadian. Live cattle February futures down five dollars fifty-seven cents at one sixty-three forty-seven. Uh, feeder cattle January down four forty. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.